11. Again, that's Acts chapter 23, verse 11. God has placed a word on my heart that I want to share with you that would encourage you to believe that God is going to get you where he promised. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know who God's going to use. But God will get you where he promised. Amen. And look what uh, Acts chapter 23 verse 11 declares. God is speaking. And I love when the Lord speaks over our lives. But he tells Paul this. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, take courage. For as you have testified the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Again, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, why? Because Paul had just testified in the midst of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It was boiling. It was a tough crowd. Nevertheless, Paul spoke the truth to these people that needed the truth of the gospel. And, and the whole problem was found in the resurrection. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him to death because he had declared that Jesus Christ had rose from the dead. And for them, it was a blasphemy because they did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so when Paul had declared that Jesus rose from the dead, he was speaking about the power of Jesus, the power of God to raise his son from the dead. A tumultuous crowd began to rise up. They began to step up against him and the threat of death came against him. But nevertheless, Paul remained faithful to the gospel message. And if you notice still to today. The problem with every other religion. That is uh, we see the friction of it. Is found in the resurrection. The power of the Christian. And the truth of a Christian. Is found in the resurrection. There is no other religion. That has been able to declare. What we know about the resurrection. You know Jesus didn't say. You will see me in paradise. Before he said you will see me in the flesh. And even to the point where Jesus was before them and he ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. Fifty days. Look at this. Fifty days as they waited, you know, for the ascension of Christ to be taken up at the right hand of the Father. You know, after 50 days, but Jesus was ministering to them, preparing them for their ministry. And they seen him in flesh and blood. I want you to just think about that. No other religion. And so when you, uh, it wasn't that they denied resurrection. They didn't deny the resurrection. They just did not believe that the resurrection was present in whom Paul was preaching about. And that is Jesus Christ. But we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And so if you notice in the world today, in the world today, when we talk about Jesus Christ, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about the power and the truth of the name, that name that heals, that name that saves, no other name under heaven, no other name at the right hand of the Father that is able to save but that name Jesus Christ. When we talk that name, it is a gospel that creates friction. They're not mad at you. Come on, I want to just get to this. They're not mad at you. They're not mad at your church. They're mad at, at the fact that he is the only one that was able to prove and state 
that he would resurrect from the dead. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And so that is where the strength of the Christian is found. When I stand before you and I say, God will save my family, I'm talking about the power of the resurrection that made it possible. When I say that God is going to heal bodies, I'm talking about the power of the resurrection that made it possible. God proved it. God proved that there is nothing impossible that can happen in our lives. He can do all things. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. For all who believe. Why? Because he proved it. Through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And so they wanted to kill him. Nevertheless, Paul preached the message without fear. He's, and, the, and the Bible says that the Lord stood by him and said to him, man, that's a beautiful feeling. When the Lord stands by you, when you have obeyed him. When the Lord stands by you and he tells Paul, take Courage, for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. You didn't sway away. You didn't get fearful. You didn't run away. You testified the facts about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. So we see how God makes a promise to Paul. I have created in you a purpose with citizenship to go into a place to preach. And I'm going to get you there. You know, we truly doubt, church, and we underestimate the ability of God sometimes. When it comes to fulfilling his promises in our lives, we truly, without a doubt, we underestimate the ability of God. And, you know, I stand before you, church, amazed and at awe when God declares he's going to do something in my life. And, it's, and it is the word of the Lord. He does not fail. When it is the word of the Lord, it will not fail. And though it seems like it's tearing, many times I have felt like the word that has been spoken over my life is tearing. It is late. It is slow. Habakkuk declared to me, I take it as a word for my life. He said, wait for him. He didn't say wait for the promise. He said, wait for the Lord. Wait for him. You know, we're not waiting for the house. We're not waiting for the car. We're not waiting for the job. We're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for the Lord to intervene. We're waiting for the Lord to heal. We're waiting for the Lord to open the door. We are waiting for Him. Amen. And in waiting for Him, I have seen God do it again and again in my life without any denial. And as we read this portion of Luke's account of Paul, you know, we see how Paul was walking in God's will. And when you are walking in the will of God, church, nothing can get in the way of God's purposes. God's purposes will triumph in and through always a life that is surrendered and submitted to God's will. If you have not read this account of the book of Acts, the Lord had directed Paul to speak the truth in Jerusalem. And against the very people that held the truth hostage. And that was the religious leaders basically bringing out to light their hypocrisy. And to be honest, I am more confident... Church, I am more confident in the Lord's protection and purpose over the life of Paul because there he should have been died, he, he should have been killed and murdered by the anger of the religious people. If there was ever a moment that Paul should have died, it should have been right there. The enemy should have succeeded right there. But I'm telling you something, God has a way of protecting his people. God has a way of putting a hedge of protection around his people. And, you know, they, they, they had in mind to murder Paul. They had in mind to kill Paul. If it had not been for the swift moving of God, 
over the government guards. You know, there is a statement of respect we adhere to, or at least claim to live in here in this country. And that statement that we adhere to and we talk about a lot is the separation of church and state. You know, I, I always thought about that, the separation of church and state. But when I'm reading this message here, God uses the state to protect Paul. God uses the guards of Rome to protect Paul. This tells me that God will use any means necessary. God will by any means necessary use all of his resources to get you where he needs for you to be at. And so when I see how God was over the life of Paul, he caused the government, he caused the princes, he caused the kings, he caused the rulers, he caused the soldiers to protect his own. And you know, don't you ever think that God will not use any means necessary. At times we will see God use even our own enemy to bless our field. God will even use our enemy to plow what God has placed in our lives. There's going to be times you got haters all around you, but God destined them to bless you. God destined them to open doors for your life. God destined them to help you travail over a mountain. Sometimes we say, God, they're not the people I want in my life. And God says, you don't even know what I'm going to do in your life through these people. They're around you to protect you, not kill you. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And we see the power of water. Walking in God's perfect will. God here was using the government to fulfill his purpose and protection in the life of Paul concerning the task that was given to him. And what do we simply learn? We simply learn that don't be surprised the way the Lord goes about it. Just submit to his will. He will escort you. Did you know you got an escort to where you're going? You have an escort. And there are sirens. <laughs> Amen. You might be on a donkey and not in a limo, but God is escorting you. Right? God is escorting you. Amen. You might be on a, uh, on a skateboard. God is escorting you. It feels like you're on a skateboard unstable. It doesn't feel comfortable. Right? But nevertheless, God is escorting you. Don't, don't you... Don't you to talk down on what God is doing in your life right now. He's escorting you. Amen. Don't you curse what God is doing in your life. He's escorting you. Don't you say it's not good enough for me. No, no. I want something. No, no, no. God is escorting you to where he needs you to be at. And though sometimes we see it doesn't fit our comfortability level. God knows what he's doing in our lives. And we see that proven in the life of Paul. God was escorting him. But believe me. He does. God does what he declares he's going to do at any cost. After that moment of near death, the Lord then comforts Paul. What does he tell Paul? Paul, you didn't shy away when I gave you the, the task of speaking the truth of my name in Jerusalem. But now I'm sending you to Rome. And we know that this was the ultimate plan for Paul. Why? Because Paul was a Roman citizen. He's a Roman citizen. And so there are times where, yes, God sends you to foreign land to complete a task. And then there are those moments where God, uh, in sending you to foreign land, he will protect you. But then there's those moments where God will send you to your own land. And you'll begin to see why God allowed you to live the way that you live. You'll begin to see why God processed you and allowed you to be born in that situation or, you know, to live through that uh, time of your life. You'll start seeing why God 
you know, did what he didn't allow what happened in your life because there is a room for the Paul in you. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And there are times where God sends us to foreign land and we just got to obey him. Just know this, when God sends you to foreign land, he will protect you. Look at this, he will protect you. But when God sends you to your own land where he took you out of, come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord, you have every right. And see, Paul says, God, you're sending me to a foreign land and I'm going to do your work there and you're going to protect me. And he did, he sent the soldiers to get Paul out. But now he's telling Paul, now I'm going to send you to Rome. I'm going to send you where my other apostles, where my other disciples can't go. That's why you don't know, disobey God. You say yes to God. Because there is a place where God has sent you that nobody else can go. There is a place where God has called you to flourish where nobody else is called to flourish. And we got to obey God for the time is now. There's a revival at hand. There is a move of God's presence at hand. There is salvation at hand. And God is saying, will you be a Paul in the Rome? Will you obey me? Will you say yes to me? God called Paul to fulfill his purpose in the land of his own region. For the glory of his name. All of it is for the glory of God's name. You know, we question, why did God allow me to live this or that? But I want to tell you this morning, there is a Paul for Rome in you. I don't know what your Rome is. Maybe your Rome is the gangs. Maybe your Rome is the drug addicts. Maybe your Rome is the partiers. Maybe your Rome is the homeless. Maybe your Rome is the prisoners. Maybe your home is the hospitals. Maybe your Rome is the military. Maybe your Rome is the orphans. Maybe your Rome is, you know, uh, the hurting and the broken. Maybe your Rome is the ones that are, are uh, in the uh, uh, insane asylum. Maybe your Rome are the people that are stuck on pills. Maybe your Rome is the divorced home. Maybe your, I don't know what your Rome is, but God is going to get you to a place where you're going to flourish. And you got to trust Him in His process. God knows exactly what He's doing. And I pray that you'd begin to start going back to the people that God delivered you out of. I pray that you would get back to the broken hearted where God took you out of. You're saying, you know, God delivered me out of a life of alcoholism. You're going to see the Rome in your life. You're going to see the Paul come to fruition. You're going to be able to go back to that place where God took you out of. You're going to say, I got citizenship here. I was once in this life and the Lord delivered me. The Lord saved me. And God is going to begin to use you for those. That's why I love diversity in the church. I love diversity in the church because some of you, God has delivered you out of a place God did not deliver me out of. There are places where you have tasted and where you have seen and you have experienced that the Lord only has brought you to that place. And the time is going to come. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. You're not called to sit. You're called to go back to your own. You're called to go back to that place where God is going to use you to impact the world. You say, God took me out of drugs. You're going to see how God's going to use you with drug addicts. God took you out of alcoholism. You're going to see how God's going to use you with alcoholics. God took you out of gangs. You're going to see how God's going to use you for the gangs. God took you out of prison. You're going to see how God's going to use you for prisoners. God took you out of that misery in the military. Maybe your mind was lost. In the middle, God's going to use you for ex-military. God's going to use you for veterans. God's going. Maybe you worked in the hospital. Maybe you were sick in your bed, dying in the hospital, and God saved you. God's going to use you for the sick. God's going to use you in the hospitals. Whatever God delivered you out of, you are that Rome for Paul. 
You are the Rome for your Paul. You are the Rome for your... You are the Paul for your Rome. You are that Paul for your Rome. And Paul was trusting God to use the methods and the means to accomplish his purpose in his life. God will use any means necessary to accomplish his purpose in your life. And I want to tell you this morning, you were born with a purpose. Nothing is a mistake from God. God knows where he has destined for you to bring glory to his name. And I see this even in the greatest disgrace of man. Listen here. I see that God's purposes are even accomplished even in the greatest disgrace of man. Why? Because even Paul, God pursued his soul. And if you notice here that Paul, the life of Peter, I mean, uh, the life of Peter in the square at times of his denial. You remember when Peter denied the Lord? He was in the square. Even in the most disgraceful time of your life, the Lord's purposes never stop pursuing. The Lord's plans never stop pursuing. We are convicted. We are reminded. We cannot sleep. We don't sleep okay. We don't sin okay. Because the purposes of God are running after us. When you've tasted, that's what it means that when you've tasted the love of the Lord, there ain't no going back. Ain't no going back. It's impossible for you to taste the love of Jesus and say, I forgot. Oh. Once you've tasted the love of the Lord, you'll never forget it. It is a sweet taste. <laughs> it is a freedom you'll never get in the world. It is a love that people will never be able to grant you. The love of the Lord, when you have tasted it, you'll never be able to run from it. And Peter, even though he was denying the Lord, he was in the square. And they were saying, what were they telling him? You were with them. And they told him, you are of them. They said, we've seen you with him. At his denial, he wept and ran off. He seen the Lord and he caught eyes with Jesus. And his denial, he ran off and wept. But he was reminded that even in his disgrace, the Lord was pursuing him. I'm convinced that God can do what he says he's going to do. How, pastor? You're saying, how, pastor? I don't know how. I don't even know when. <laughs> I don't even know who the Lord will use to do it in your life. But I have been proven time after time that God does what he says. And he told Paul, I'm sending you to Rome. Paul didn't ask any questions. You know, he didn't say, I don't have any money. Paul didn't say, you know, I want first class. <laughs> Paul didn't say, who's going to take me? Paul just said, when? Yes. Right now. Yes, Lord. And Paul didn't know how God was going to do it, but he had brought him this far without a hair missing. And I want to just tell you, God has brought you this far and no hair is missing on your head. God has brought you this far and you haven't died yet. God has brought you this far and you haven't lost your mind yet. So if God has brought you this far and there's no hair missing off of your head, God will take you to the next place if you trust him. You didn't know how you were going to get to where you were right now. You didn't know how you were going to arrive to the promise now. But God got you here. You're here this morning. You should be Still on drugs. You should still be with your mind lost. You ain't hearing me. I want to excite you this morning. Because you should still be on the streets. You should still be lost. You should still be broken. Yet the Lord brought you up to this moment. Ebenezer, Ebenezer, up to here the Lord has helped us. If the Lord has helped you up to here, what are you complaining about? 
the Lord's going to get you there. Don't worry. Well, how, Lord? When, Lord? Who, Lord? Oh, you know, I don't have no money, Lord. You know, hey, the Lord, this God, and that's, this is hard. And no, no, you just shut up. Get in the seat. Go for the ride. God's going to get you there. He promised it. He set the map quest, you know, and, and I'll tell you something. God doesn't need serious help. Make a left. No, the Lord knows exactly where he's going to take you through. It might be, it might be bumpy. It might be a, a time of, you know, of, of, of anger. It might be a time of frustration. It might be a time of sadness at times. Nevertheless, if you trust the Lord, he will get you there. The, the Lord will get you there. The Lord will get you there. Paul trusted the Lord. He trusted that the Lord wouldn't fail him. But he didn't know that meant. Look at this. Paul trusted that the Lord would get him there. But he didn't know that it meant some trials. God knows the plan of your life. He knows how it's going to come about. He knows how it's going to come to pass. For your family, your children, your ministry. You just got to remain attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And know this, that God will get you there. Trust the Lord. He will get you there. He will get you there. Don't pull your own map out. Trust the Lord. He will get you there. Map questing. Lord, the Lord's not doing a good job. You know, he did. <laughs> Pulling your own map out. The Lord will get you there. He knows your start and he knows your finish. He's the author of your life, and he's the finisher of your life. Yeah. What he began is perfect, and he'll perfect it until the coming of the Lord. Amen? Amen? He will perfect it. So we have to trust that God will get you to where he promised you. We lose, uh, we lose hope. We, we act like God forgot about us. You know, we act like Jairus being interrupted by somebody else's miracle. Like, will God get me there? God's going to get you there. He's going to do the work. But you have to trust the Lord. So he trusted the Lord that the Lord would not fail him. But he didn't know that trusting the Lord meant what? Number one, and write this down. He didn't know it meant house arrest. <laughs> Some of you know what house arrest is. Some of you know what house arrest is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister Mary's seen a lot of people on house arrest, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She knows when they're going to run. She knows when they're going to I want to get out of here already. <laughs> but Paul didn't know it meant house arrest. And see, I want you to just, just see this. You know, because of all the accusations that were coming against Paul, Paul is taken to Caesarea. You know, Caesarea was the capital of all the legal dealings. And I, I understand why maybe they didn't want to leave it in Jerusalem because Jerusalem got cold. It was very cold in the wintertime. And so Caesarea was kind of like that mid-weather where everything was just kind of perfect. It was, you know, uh, uh, very sunny at times. Yes, it got hot, but when it came to wintertime, it was just like the coast, right? And so Caesarea was that good place, and I understand why they kept it there for the legal dealings, the, all of the, the, the court uh, system and all of that uh, government type. And Paul appeared before there with a case against him against disorderly conduct. Now, 
your type of disorderly conduct <laughs> was way different than the type of disorderly conduct that Paul had. Paul wasn't drunk in the city. <laughs> you know, he, he, he wasn't, hey, you know, he had to, none of that crazy stuff. His disorderly conduct was preaching the gospel. His disorderly conduct was talking about the resurrection of Jesus. You, know, you want to know why it's disorderly conduct? Because there is an established standard and anything that goes against it is disorderly conduct. And so I can go into a bar and act holy and it would be disorderly conduct. <laughs> Come on, are you understanding what I'm saying? It's like going into a drug house and start preaching about the Lord and saying, Hey, you, go, you guys you can't be doing that, man. Put that pipe down. And hey, you're acting disorderly. This, that's disorderly conduct. You know, Paul was acting disorderly to the standard of the Jews. And so they made these false claims about him. And Paul pulled out his Roman citizenship card. And he said, hey, I am a Roman citizen. So if I'm going to be accused of something, I want to stand before Caesar. I want to stand before the man in charge so I can plead my case. So I can defend myself and show you that there's nothing disorderly about what I am doing. And so they took him on a boat to Myra, they took him on a boat to Caesarea. And there in Caesarea, he lasted two years. He stood before the, the princes. He stood before the government, the governor. And let me tell you, at times it feels as if we are arrested and we feel that we are confined. And we plead that there is unjust treatment for us that are in the faith. And rightfully so. You have the right to feel as if you're treating, being treated unjustly. Maybe your family is treating you unjustly. Maybe your co-workers are treating you unjustly. Maybe you just feel unjust for following the cause of Christ. And they have you confined. Maybe you're the only one in your job that believes the promise that you have. You feel confined. Maybe you're the only one in your family trusting the Lord and living out the purposes of God. And you feel confined. Don't you give in to the way of the world. Stand your ground. Even if it means house arrest. Even if it means you got to spend a little time with the monitor on your ankle. But it is okay. Come on somebody. And I'm going to tell you why it is okay. Because while Paul was confined to the place that he was at. He was on house arrest. He was preaching the gospel. You know, even the governors wanted to hear the message. Even those that were in charge were feeding them grapes and cheese. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. And you know, you don't got nothing to complain about because when you're complaining, I'm confined. I feel like life is going nowhere. You know, I feel like I'm the only one serving God. I feel like, you know, man, everybody's against me. Praise the Lord. Praise God that you're the only one. And even though you feel like you got the monitor on your angle, praise the Lord. You're going to see how God's going to favor you. You're going to see how God's going to bless you. You're going to see how God's going to lift you up. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to laugh about you. They're going to try to come against you. They're going to try to persecute you. But blessed are they that go in the name of the Lord. Blessed are they that take the good news. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter if I'm on house arrest. You're confined to house arrest. Que bueno. Even better. 
go to the marketplace for me. That means my barber gets to come to my house. Right? You're on house arrest. There's a lot of privileges with house arrest. <laughs> you, 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 even, you even tell, okay, Lord, uh, um, put, put the limit before the grass, because I don't want to cut the grass, Lord. Just <laughs> house arrest. <laughs> before the grass. There's a lot of benefits to house arrest. And it's, it's a time to get productive. Amen. You know, to be arrested in jail, we all know that there's a lack of productivity, right? Because you're on somebody else's schedule. But when you're on house arrest, you're on your own schedule, confined to a space where you can become productive at your own vision and goal. And see, God wants you to understand something. There are times where you are on house arrest, but it's not that you are confined not to be creative that God would give you vision. But it is a time to write. Did you know that most of the times of confinement and house arrest, Paul wrote all of the letters? <laughs> you ain't understanding what I'm saying. In most of the confinement, what we look to in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, in Galatians, and in Philippians, Paul was there writing in much house arrest. There is a lot of vision in your time of confinement. There is a lot of vision in your times of house arrest. God's going to have you there for a reason. Because he wants to give you vision. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. There you are cursing what God has you in. He has you in a cave. And there's a reason why God has you confined. Because he wants you to keep your eyes on what he's trying to teach you. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. You got on the boat for a reason. And God has you in a place where you feel confined. Don't you ever say God made a mistake. God has you there for a reason. Don't you ever say that God does not love you. Don't you ever say that God has forgotten about you. It is a time that you would take the time to say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to show me? What vision are you trying to give me? What understanding are you trying to enable me to have? And sometimes in house arrest, God will do it. God will do it. So, you know, Paul being in Caesarea before Felix, the governor, the hands of the governor were tied to do politics. You know, the governor in Caesarea could not do nothing other than but what a politician does. And that was confined Paul. That was a righteous act of Felix, the governor. Because he wanted to respect that he was in a place of authority. He had to do the hard thing. Even though he seen Paul was innocent. There's going to be people in your life that pray you innocent. There's going to be people in your life that know that you are doing everything right. And they're praying, God, free him, free him, free him. God, free her, free her, free her. And yet you still find yourself in confinement. <laughs> but don't you say, man, your prayers aren't working. No, it ain't even about their prayer. It's not about how hard they fast. No matter how many verses they get, I'm going to give you this verse and that's going to break the chain. <laughs> nope. Because the chain's going to be broken when God wants to break it. You know, God's going to open up the lock when he wants to open it. And see, we forget about that. We, we want man to plead for our case, but man cannot plead for our case. It is God alone that pleads for the case of man. It is God's plans that are in charge of our lives. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And there are times where uh, irrefusably God will have us on house arrest. Nevertheless, God's plans are fulfilling even there. The governor attended to Paul like a guest more than a prisoner. Did you know that? And I'll tell you something, even if you would just stop complaining, you will be able to see God's provision and protection and favor, even where it seems like house arrest. If you would just trust the Lord, God will bless you. Here's a personal testament. You know, I remember going to DMV. Somebody say, I hate DMV. That's all right. I agree with you. 
Okay? I, I pray for you. The, the, the Lord will let you use that hate one time right there. You, we all hate DMV, okay? But I remember going to DMV, you know, and I caught the paper number and the letter as they do, the, the letter and the number. And I was waiting in line and, you know, they, before pandemic, you would sit down on those hard chairs. So you'd try to slouch as much as you can because, like, <laughs> so hard chair. So sitting there, you know, uh, I guess my ticket fell off. Hit the floor. I, I, I tried to go back and look for it, but it was lost. Luckily, I remembered my number and letter. Somebody say amen. amen. So she said my number, and I, I jumped up right away. You know, and I was, you know, looking for my ticket. I said, oh, man, my ticket. Looking under the chair, you know, and I said, you know, anymore, I can't miss my moment. I've been here over an hour. So I go to the lady, and I said, oh, um, she goes, your ticket? Give me your ticket. I said, Ma'am, I, I, I lost my ticket. I, I can't find it, but that's my number. I promise you that is my number. She said, I can't serve you without a ticket. I said, the Lord knows my patience right now. <laughs> I said, ma'am, I, I promise you, I'm not trying to be dishonest. That, that's my number. I remembered it's my number. That was my ticket. She said, I cannot serve you without a ticket. So here is this piece of paper. Get in that line. I'm looking at the line. I said, Lord, 50 people, Lord. What am I going to do? Get mad? And then she say, get out. Right? I can't get what I want. You know, so I'm, I'm there walking. You know, I was in Imola, You know, I stand in this line. And, and all of a sudden, as I'm standing there, 10 minutes, you know, in, you know, this uh, gentleman. He goes, hey. I go over there. And he said, uh, you lost your ticket for real? I go, yeah, man. He goes, I believe you. Because I was standing. I was coming in from my break. And I walked in behind you, and you opened the door for me, and I walked in behind you. And I seen, I took my break maybe about over, an, about an hour and a half ago. So I know, you know, you must be telling the truth. I said, believe me, that, that was my, my ticket number. He said, just, just come over here. I'll, I'll take care of you. So there I'm there, and he's, he uh, takes care of the need that I have. And he's, he tells me, you cannot actually do this until you go to this place and pay for this. So I went over there and I, I got the paper and he said, and then when you come back, you're going to have to pay for, you know, for me to do what you paid for over there. You have to pay for it to get it approved over here. I said, what is going on? The devil's a liar, man. There's a lot of paying stuff here, right? And so I, 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 I said, okay, well, let me go take care of that. I went and I drove and I came. He said, but don't get back in line. Just come back to the window here. I'll take care of you. So I went, took me no more than 15 minutes. I went and I got the paper and I approved the dot, you know, because I had a, it was a salvage vehicle that I had. And I had to go approve this and approve that. And I came back and I came back with the paper and he, and he said, uh, okay, you know what, um, look at this. I'll waive that fee that we have and um, just give me this much for this amount. And I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, I, I, I say to myself, when you just shut up, Will you just, shh, you know, just callate. Sometimes we make it more difficult. God's trying to bless you, and your mouth is open. It's flapping. Let me say it again. God's trying to bless you, but your mouth is flapping. And God's like, shut up. You're ruining what I'm trying to do, and you're shut up. 
Just be quiet. I can imagine if Paul would have been there saying, ah, you know, it's unjust and I shouldn't be here. You know, you guys are messed up and you guys are accusing me for the wrong thing. And yeah, you, you know, big nose, you know, you're this and that. And you. <laughs> but you think you're all that, you know, and governor, you get governor. Get supervisor, get manager. You think you're all that or what? If, if you just shut up, God will bless you. If you just shut up, God knows your case. If you just shut up, God will give you a break. If, if you just be quiet and let the Lord fight, there's a reason you're in court for that. There's a reason why you're in line for that. There's a reason why God has you through that rugged terrain. There's a reason why God put that pit stop in your walk. Just know this, you can rest and be assured that Rome is ahead. Don't worry about what's happening in the now. All you got to say is, I'm going to Rome. I don't care what happens in the meanwhile. I don't care who rises up against me. Doesn't matter which enemy speaks against my life. I know God destined me for Rome. That's where you got to speak. God destined me for Rome. Quit losing your mind over pit stops. Quit losing your mind over rest areas. Just thank the Lord you, you got a Rome ahead of you. I could have started complaining, you know, about the detainment. I, you, you know, Paul could have started complaining about the house arrest. You know, he could have started saying, well, you guys are holding me back, you know, over something of, you know, innocence. But, you know, just be quiet. Let the Lord fight your battle. And you might feel stuck somewhere on house arrest. You might feel confined to a space of life. But God's will has you there. You didn't hear me. God's will has you in that time of confinement. Why? Because he has promised you Rome. And he promised you somewhere else. So quit sweating it. You know where God said he was going to take you? Trust him, he's going to get you there. Amen. Even if that means you're confined to some spaces at times, don't lose your mind. James 1, 4 declares, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work. God wants to do a thorough work in your life. But let it have its patience. Let it have its, uh, you know, uh, its full play in your life. So that you may be what? People. That you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. God wants you lacking in nothing before you get to Rome. God wants you lacking in nothing before he takes you to where he's taking you. But you got to trust that God is doing what he needs to do. Do you know that Paul lasted two years in the state of house arrest? Blessed in favor. Cheese and grapes. <laughs> I, believe, I believe the governor said, uh, um, Paul, you know, don't, don't sleep on that wood. We'll, we'll get you a Tempur-Pedic bed. Paul, I know you're not guilty of this. <laughs> Trust that the Lord is going to send you people that know that you're innocent in what God is doing in your life. You just, you got to be quiet. Let God work. Amen. And though they put you in a confined, confined space, you'll have a Tempur-Pedic bed. Don't worry. Cheese and grapes will come to you. Amen. It, it's the reason why the people of Israel were out in the desert and they had quail. Come on, somebody blessing it. I don't care what desert you're in. I don't care what wilderness. God will. He'll make your shoes not run out. Amen. You'll wear Nikes for three years and there won't be no mark on them. Why? Because you're in the will of God. When you're in the will of God, you're blessed. When you're in the will of God, you ain't complaining about what you don't got. 
you know, the quail ran. They didn't even have to do nothing. They just, and the quail were running to them. They were taking out their uh, salsa, you know, say, hey, oh, yeah. They were, they were with forks and knives with their plates out, and the quail were killing themselves, going on the plate. I'm telling you, when you are in the will of God, God will cater in your time of confinement if you just trust him. If you put your trust in the plan that he has for your life, he will bless you. Even though it's unjust treatment, the Lord is with you. He'll have your back. Paul didn't know that it meant a storm and shipwreck. Number two. You know, after the moment of house arrest in Caesarea, Paul, because Paul had requested to come before Caesar to bring his case, they had to fulfill the request. Understand this. They really believed in these type of legal matters. You know, when he was in Caesarea, before uh, the governor, the governor said, you're actually innocent. And they told Paul, they said behind Paul's back, we could actually let him go, but because he requested to be before Caesar. We got to fulfill the request. And there's some times where you, it, it seems like it's a mistake. You want to go back on it. But God needs to send you to Caesar for some reason. And God said that he would do that. If you remember correctly, God told Paul that he would put him before rulers. God declared that he was going to put him before governors. God put, told him he was going to put him before people that were going to try to kill him. But yet he told him, I'm going to be with you. That's why he said, have courage, Paul. You preach uh, the truth and the facts about my name in Jerusalem. Now I'm sending you to Rome. Don't you worry about it. But as he requested, now they had to transfer him from that place to the next place. So he got on a boat. And there he was. That's where 2 Timothy comes into play. Sister D spoke about that a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. You remember that verse where it says that uh, uh, they, they treated Paul like a prisoner. And though he was in chains and in bondage, the word was not uh, in bondage. That is the word that, was, that Paul was speaking in this moment of his time. Though he was in chains and treated like a prisoner with murders, he was innocent. And the word of God was not bound. I want to just tell you something. Even though you feel like things are against you, the word of God is not bound in you. The word of God is fulfilling what it needs to fulfill. And though we say it's a mistake, it's never a mistake. Paul said, I'm in chains and I'm bound in the flesh, but the word of God is not bound. It is free. It is doing what it needs to do. And though I feel a little bit of confinement, God is performing his will through my life. And so Paul was on a ship. And on that ship, the Bible says, Acts chapter 27, verse 13 through 25. It says, now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a temptuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. In other words, they were pushed far off track. Running under the lee of a small island called Kauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat, hoisting it up, and they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the uh, Sartis, they lowered the gear. 
And thus they were driven along since we were violently storm-tossed. And they began the next day to jettison the cargo. In other words, they were throwing off their cargo just to make sure that the ship stayed afloat. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle off overboard with their hands and neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Look at the storm that Paul and the rest of these prisoners were on. And it seems as if he requested like a dummy, why did you have to go to ask for Caesar? You could have been free. But there's a reason why God put it on Paul's heart to request to be before Caesar because Caesar was in Rome. God knows exactly what he's doing. But the Bible says, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope of our being saved was at last what? Paul said, abandoned. Luke declared. And since they had been without food for a long time, look what Paul does. Paul stands up among them and said to them, Man, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel. <laughs> I love this part. This is beautiful here because Paul said, uh, This night stood before me an angel and, and of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. He said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And I'm telling you something. God is saying, Don't you be afraid. You got to get there. And I'm going to get you there. Though it looks temptuous, though, you, though it looks like a strong storm, though it looks like there's no hope, though it looks like there is no rest, don't you worry, I'm going to get you there. There's a reason why you're in this storm. There's a reason why they stood up against you, but don't you worry, I'm going to get you there. I think the most beautiful thing that I like about this, he said, you must stand before Caesar and look what God told him. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Wow. God has granted all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have, uh, I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. When are you going to start having faith that it has been exactly what God has told you? When are you going to start believing that it is exactly what God has told you? Oh, things aren't turning out my way. It's not what God planned. No, no, no. Don't you ever say that. You have to say, I have faith in God that it is exactly what God told me. I have faith in God that it is exactly where God wants me to be at. I might be in this job I don't like, but it is exactly where God needs me to be at. I, I might be around these people, but God is going to save them on my behalf. There are people that are on the boat with you at this moment that you would say, I hate being on the boat with these people, and I hate this life, and I hate it. And God says, no, I put you on the boat with these people for a reason. I'm going to make sure that you know that my purposes are going to be fulfilled in your life. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord this morning. God knows exactly what he's doing. Knows exactly what he's doing. I hate this time. I don't like this life. Quit complaining. Start saying, God, I have faith that it will be exactly as I have been told. When are you going to start looking? Look, look, don't look at the doctor's report and say, oh, see, a detour. No, 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 no. Look at the doctor's report and say, I have faith that it will be as just as God had told me. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, all of a sudden, a need comes up in your life. And you're saying, oh, man, the devil's a liar. You know, this, no, 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 no. Say, I have faith that it will be as God has told me. Yeah. Don't say, oh, God got caught off guard. No, God never gets caught off guard. <laughs> God, God's never surprised. 
with the dealings of our lives. God's never like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. Hijuela, man. Oh. Hey, my bad, Manny. My bad. Se me pasó la mano. I took a snooze. I was asleep too long. The Lord never, the Lord never, the Lord never takes his eye off your life. He knows exactly what's happening. And when the devil says, I got you, no, the, the, the Lord says, no, I got you. <laughs> you think you're winning, but when, when, you, when you're cursing, I'm blessing. When, when you're taking, I'm giving. When you're closing, I'm opening. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. This is the way the Lord works. And when the enemy thinks like he's one step away, it seems like I'm in a storm, God says, I'm going to take care of you. I have assured you that I'm going to take you to before Caesar. I promised you, and I'm going to complete my promise. God said he's going to bring your son. Don't you ever say God is failing. When God says he's going to heal your body, don't ever say God failed. When, when God said he's going to open up that door, don't you ever say God forgot. God never forgets. God never fails. Every one of his promises have come true, and not a single word has failed. That's what his word declares about us. All of his promises have come true, and not a single word has failed. All of the promises of the Lord have come true, and not a single word has failed. That means that beforehand, predestined, we are walking into a victory. And I don't see it now. I don't feel it now. I, I, you know, I don't feel the comfort of it now. And I have to stop in these places. And I have to stand before some people. And I feel like there's house arrest. And I feel like there's a storm. But not only that, there was a shipwreck. Paul did not know that he was going to go through a storm that would lead to a shipwreck. You know, it seems like, okay, God got me out of the storm. Then all of a sudden, okay, we're out in the clear. No, then a shipwreck happens. Right? Shipwreck. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2 says, But now, thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Has God redeemed you? Has God redeemed you, church? Start acting like it. Start acting like God redeemed you. Start acting like God called you by name. Start acting like God says you are mine. You know, start acting like he declared this over your life. Because he has that when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. you got to have that faith. The Lord will be with you. He told Paul that he would get him through. Nevertheless, Paul did not know that right after a shipwreck was coming. Acts 27 declares that they shipwrecked. They had to put the, the anchor down because they were, they were fearing that they were going to hit the rocks because they had been steered off of, off of the plan and off of the map so much that they, they, saw, uh, they saw an island, Malta. They saw the island of Malta. And, you know, they, they got afraid because they said, uh, we don't know, we've never been here. This is unknown a place for us, but they were afraid that as they were approaching shore that they were going to hit the, the rocks that were on the shoreline. So they threw their anchor down, and when they threw their anchor down, it caught reef, and it tore the boat apart. And, you know, the soldiers before, they were going to kill the prisoners, but one stood up for Paul. He said, no, no, let's not kill them. Let's save them. It's interesting that when you're on the last moment and the brink of death, God will save you. Amen. Because there's a plan with your life in Rome. Amen. And Paul was there and, 
uh, one of the soldiers, one of the, 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 the soldiers that was there guarding them, he said, we need to kill them because we don't want them to escape. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because if anybody escaped, the soldier that lived had to pay the price. And so they were going to kill all of the prisoners, including Paul. And the man said, by faith, I put my, line, my life on the line. Let's not kill any of them. We're going to make it and we're going to land. Let's trust what God told Paul. Look at this. Let's trust what God told Paul. You know, when you stand firm in the Lord, your family will start believing. <laughs> when, when you start trusting God, the people that had no faith in you, you're crazy. You, the Lord? Well, yeah, because it's fleshly reasoning. They'll never understand how the Lord heals. They'll never understand how the Lord provides. They'll never understand how God opens doors after they told you no a hundred times. All of a sudden, God opens the door. You still didn't qualify in the terms of society, but God still opened the door. You know, you, you're still not the person for the job, yet God gave it still to you. You know, I don't understand. It's the Lord. It's his resurrecting power. What? Resurrecting power? It's weird for them to hear the power of God over your life. But nevertheless, God is with you. Nevertheless, God is with you. If there's any way that we're going to impact the world, it's by the power of God. The people need to see that the power of God resides in us as believers. Not just word and bond. They need to see that the power of God is in our lives. Not that we know scriptures. That there's power in us. Right? That there's power in our lives. Not that I go to church and I go to so and so and I, I put the sticker on my window of the car. Is there power in you? Is there power in you? Is God's power residing in They've seen the power of God in Paul. They've seen the affirmation of God's power in the life of Paul. Let me ask you a question. Is God's power in you? To the point that they said, let's not kill them. Let's trust what God told Paul. And when they did it, each man grabbed a piece of the, the, the boat, the ship, and they just sailed into shore. And when they got into shore, they seen that God had proved that he would take care of them. And I'm telling you something. It's going to feel like your life is wrecking at times, but you grab a hold of something. It's going to feel like, <laughs> it's going to feel like life is shipwrecking. Let it wreck. Let it shipwreck. Let the boat come apart. But you just grab a piece of wood. Just float. Lord, don't let the ship wreck. Lord, don't let the ship wreck. Don't, Lord, don't let the ship. The Lord said it's going to wreck. No, Lord, no, please don't. It's, it's coming. It's going to wreck. No, God, please don't let it wreck. It's going to wreck. And all of a sudden it wrecks. See, God, you don't love me. No, dummy, grab a piece of wood. Yeah, we grab a piece of the ship and there we are in the water. Not the way you wanted to get to Rome, but God will say, any way means by any means necessary. This is proving to us, don't you ever complain about what God is doing in your life. Though we don't like the way that it's turning out. Though we don't like the way that the journey is making its way to be. But you got to trust the Lord. The Lord will make a way. The Lord will show you that He has affirmed you. That He has confirmed you. That He has called you. And He's going to take you there. God had told him, you're going to Rome, but finally... Before Rome, he said, if only you knew you're about to get bit by a snake. <laughs> he didn't know that trusting God meant getting bit by a viper. Acts 28, 10, 1 through 10. 
The Bible declares that he came before them and they, they were received actually with a lot of love. Did you know that? They were received with a lot of love and when they got to the island, the people of the island, uh, uh, some, some people say that Malta meant uh, honey or um, that Malta meant uh, hospitality. Whether if it was Greek or a different nation that owned it, regardless of it, both of them meant something sweet. A, a good receivement or honey. Their character was as honey or their hospitality was great. Nevertheless, they arrived to people that were going to take care of them. And see, when you're in the will of God, God will send you to the right people. But in the right people that God sends you, even then we see a task before us. And so Paul goes before them and as he is received with love and care and hospitality, he says, okay, now we're going to get some rest. Then all of a sudden he's gathering sticks, you know, he's being a good team player, you know. He's like, oh yeah, you know, my name's Paul. And the guy's like, oh, my name's so-and-so. Oh, great, we're friends now, you know. And he goes, what do we need? Oh, we're going to make a fire. We're going to do marshmallows, you know. And then he's going to go get some wood. And then all of a sudden he's going to pick up wood sticks. And then the viper attacked his hand, wrapped himself around his hand bit him, and Paul shook it off in the flame. And at that very moment, they said, wow, look at this. They accused him. Man accused him, and they said, boy, he was saved, but not out of the wrath of God, because he just got bit. And so they expected for Paul to swell up or just fall over and die, get sick, or fall over and die because he had just gotten bitten by the viper. They begin to say, boy, he escaped that death out of the shipwreck. But God, you cannot escape God because he's about to die right now. God got him. I told you. And see, many people say when things go bad, you get bit by snakes. And they say, oh, see, God's, God knows. Amen. I hate it when people speak beforehand. See, andale, that's what, I, what did you do? What did you do to deserve? He must be. They said he must be a murderer. <laughs> he must be a murderer because, you know, God, he, he wouldn't allow that. And sometimes we're in our innocence and snakes begin to bite us and people start saying, what did you do? You must be on God's naughty list. Boy, brother, pray. Oh, sister, pray. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Sometimes it's not even forgiveness. It's just patience. It's just patience. And the Bible says that as he was there, he began to heal the sick. They marveled and they said, he must be a God because he hasn't died. If only you knew that God is about to put you in a place where it seems like harm is being done to you and he's still going to raise you up. He's going to raise you up even when harm should be coming your way to prove to some people that you really want to come to know the Lord, that God lives. How are they ever going to know that the Lord raised from the dead if the power of God and His resurrection is not abilified in your life? How are they going to know that God saved you out of that life? How are they going to know that God did the work in your life? How are they going to know that God did that miracle if you're never going to get bit by a snake? See, many of us were saying, God, I don't want to be bit by a snake. And God, I don't want to be in a shipwreck. And God, I don't want to be in a storm. And, you know, God, I don't want to be on house arrest. And God is saying, well, how am I going to ever prove that you're mine? How am I going to ever prove that I have distinguished you among men? How am I going to ever prove that I have called you? How am I going to ever prove that there is a plan and purpose over your life? 
Let me say this, church. There is a purpose in what seems like unnecessary stops. There's a